the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. TV. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under a separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is, live on YouTube, live on WAVA and on Sirius XM. Good to have you here. Awesome. Well, it's good to be here, Chris. How are you this morning? Doing really, really well. Doing really, really well. Nothing to nothing to report other than that. Just doing good. I'm awake. I'm alive. We're good. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. I I, I was uh, I, I I need to see the playback of this show this morning to see exactly when we started YouTube. <laughs> Uh, just because of Bob and mine's conversation with you all worried about the start of the show. And well, I, you know, you know, you know. I mean, it was it was a lot of baseball talk. So, uh, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. It is Open Mic Saturday, which means any any questions at all, fire them up. Give us a call with anything on your mind with the economy, the debt ceiling, the Federal Reserve, your 401k plan, the government TSP. Changes in a 529 plan. Whatever's on your mind today, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. So, the U.S. debt limit fears have eased, but yet there's no deal. Thursday, the market action was basically based off the fact that Congress was talking, cooperating, probably having a cup of coffee together, talking about raising the debt ceiling. How are we going to fix this, kick the can down the road, and keep things from defaulting, only to find out late Friday afternoon that one side decided, you know what, we're not talking so much anymore, okay? And the market's kind of sold off a little bit, not violently, but just a little bit. So this is just going to continue to push and pull back and forth until it's done. Uh, and I do believe that they will resolve it for us. Uh, I don't believe that they will allow the U.S. to to default. So that's the deal on the debt ceiling. It's just going to go back and forth until it's done. Uh, that seems to be the consensus on what's really going to happen there, so, so not to worry, as they say. But the biggest issue is the Fed path forward now, the Fed path forward. 
Uh, we have a, a, a handful of economic data out this past week that, sh- that has mixed reviews to it. Some of them showing strength in the economy, which is great for you and I, right? On the other hand, some of it showing the economy slowing down, which is great to fight against inflation, but not good for you and I. So what is it that we want? What are we looking for here? Where are we in this? You know, this past week, the Federal Reserve uh, members were out on the speaking circuit, and they were talking about, nope, we're still going to keep on raising rates. We see rate hikes in our future, rate hikes in our future, rate hikes in our future. What does that mean? Are they just trying to jawbone the economy? Are they just trying to strong arm the markets? You know, the last thing the Fed really wants is, is just a tremendous market rally, it seems, because people will get that wealth effect and go out and spend. And when you do that, it drives up prices, which goes against the conversation of fighting down, of bringing down inflation. On the other hand, we hear the Fed clearly saying that as a result of banks slowing down their lending because of the uh, issues that we just went through with the banking uh, sector, that banks are now really heavily defending, if you will, their balance sheets, their portfolio of, lo- of loans, that's slowing down the velocity of money being pushed into the system, which then is slowing down the gears of the economy, which is helping to fight against inflation, which is almost akin to another type of a rate hike from the Fed. So Fed Fund Futures, at the beginning of this week, we're talking about, you know what? Probably no rate hike in June. Now they're saying there's a 25% chance. So we will see this data is going to move back and forth across the, you know, across the, the debate here. But we will finally find out here come the middle of June what the Fed's going to do and what they're going to say. The markets need clarity of direction. Look, positive news on the debt ceiling, markets are pushing up. Positive news on the fact that the Fed is just about done, the markets are pushing up. So, you know, let's just stop. Let's just have – I do believe that the Fed needs to stop at this point, take a break, pause, see where rates are, see where inflation goes. If inflation continues to, to pull back, then that's fantastic. You know, uh, April April's uh, uh, retail sales came in. They were expected to be up 0.8 of a percent. They were up 0.4 of a percent, which shows that the consumer is 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 slowing down, right? The consumer is slowing down, which is again a good argument that maybe the Fed has gone far enough. So, what does this all mean? It means we probably need to pause and see exactly where we are, so that we can bring in Tina and Tara. We'll talk about who Tina and Tara are in just a moment. But first, let's go ahead and bring on Gary from Pennsylvania. Good morning, Gary. How are you today? Good, Larry. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? Larry, I get into uh, my financial guy told me that uh, uh, you know you're familiar with structured notes. Yes. I have heard. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I got into it. I'm 71 years old. He told me, Gary, in 35, 40 years, nobody's ever lost on these structured notes. That's what he told me. (laughs) And I got into forum almost $65,000, and none of them looks very good at all. And is there anything I can do, or do you have any recommendations? Or uh... Gary, there's there's a couple different types of structured notes. Okay. I'd have to see exactly which ones you're in or which one you have. Okay. okay? Yeah. But they are usually a a a the 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 date of liquidity is usually up in the air, right? As you know, probably now. And the date and and the the performance is up in the air, as you probably realize. Now, 
Do you know if these are auto-callable, or, or do they have yeah, to sit to maturity? Yes, they are. So if they're auto-callable, one of the things that you could do is, is ask, how many different notes do you have in your basket, and what are the auto-callable dates? Because if you have an yeah. auto-callable, then that will be what I would call a triggering event if the performance of that tranche of money hits a certain number on the auto-callable date, it'll automatically call it back out. If it doesn't, then it flips over and carries again another term. That term could be a quarter, six months, a year. I don't know what's inside your, your structure on your, on your portfolio. Mm-hmm. I, I got um, three years, I guess. I'm about a year and a couple months in. I have three years and uh, you know three different notes I have, and, and three of them are just, I mean, real bad. They said I can lose up to 40. If it doesn't go below 40%, I won't lose my principal, but they have went this low forty percent. Yeah. Uh, when did you get into these? Do you know? Uh, a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's when. So, so that tells me that the structured notes are based off of bonds that have interest rate uh, risk or interest rate duration, and then during okay. that period of time, interest rates were going up, which means bond prices go down, and that's the issue right there. So, it. Without me looking at your state, I'd love to look at your statement, and, and then I could break yeah. it down and tell you exactly what I you have. You could. <laughs> I wish um, you could. If you could send me anything that's on it, I'll, I'll be happy to turn it back around and, and give you some research on it. I actually have a research department that I've been using for oh, situations, wonderful. for situations just like this. We don't have clients yeah. in these. I'm not a big fan personally. Okay. Uh, but I do mm-hmm. know how to unpack these and take a look at them, and then I can direct you further. But it sounds like to me that these are duration risk or, or interest rate sensitive notes, and you're going to have to wait for interest rates to come back down, and then those bond prices will come back up. So we might be able okay. to figure out what your liquidity dates or your auto-callable dates may be in the future. Um, if you want, Gary, I'll put I'll place you on a quick hold, and Bob will get some of your contact information. Then maybe you can send me a copy I, I of your latest statement. It, wonderful program and it's nice to talk to, to somebody you can feel comfortable with and trust it really is well i appreciate that gary thank you very much let me put you on hold and you have a great weekend appreciate the phone call you too Larry. thanks hey you listen to making money sense give us a ring at 855 rose one two three that's eight five five seven six seven three one two three with any of your financial planning questions product questions whatever's on your mind give us a call it's open mic saturday we're going to take a quick break here and when we come back We're going to be talking about Tina, we're going to be talking about Tara, and I have a numbers quiz for Chris and Bob. We're bringing Bob live into the studio here as well. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Sponsorship opportunities remain available for the 26th Annual Youth for Tomorrow Golf Classic on Tuesday, June 7th at the Westfields Golf Club in Clifton, Virginia. For more information, go to youthfortomorrow.org. That's youthfortomorrow.org.
There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Mark down August 26th on your calendar. Larry Rosenthal will once again repel 14 stories down the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center and go over the edge with Holistic Haitian Alliance, formerly known as Helping Haitian Angels. To learn how you can help, go to holistichaitianangels.org. That's holistichaitianangels.org. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, who is live here in the studio with us today, taking your phone calls. Larry. Chris, yes, here sir. we go. Uh-oh, we're going. Where are we going? Tina, Tina's gone and Tara's back. Tina's gone and Tara's back. Are we talking about Tina Turner here or what are we talking no, about? No, no, no. We're talking about <laughs> Tina. Tina. Tina, okay. Okay, oh, and Tara. Okay. Now, okay. do we want Tina or do we want Tara? Yes. That's exactly right. So Tina stands for there is no alternative. Tina. Oh, there is okay. no alternative. Gotcha. And Tara stands for there are reasonable alternatives. <laughs> there are reasonable alternatives. Okay. What does this mean? Okay. What, what does this mean? You know, we've had zero interest rate policy for a long, long time. And there has been no alternative, hence Tina, right? Mm -hmm. No alternative to the stock market, okay? Now, long term, there really is no alternative to the stock market. But taking a look at short-term money, there are reasonable alternatives now. Treasury bills, right? Treasury bills, three, six months, one year, they're paying 4 or 5% interest, Okay. So when you take a look at, at somebody who says, you know what, I think I want to put money into a stock that's very uh, mature, a value stock, you have volatility in that stock, but it might only be paying 2 or two, maybe 3% dividend rate. When you can get an alternative, there's a reasonable alternative, right, Terra, to that in a six-month treasury bill. So we've seen a lot of wise people start moving money out of their bank accounts, not the, all the money that they need, but any excess dollars that they need, and temporarily parking them into these treasury bills. Now, this isn't going to last forever because once the Fed pauses, the short end of the curve, these three- and six-month T-bills, will probably start to come down. 
but then your principal value is going to go back up again. This is a very interesting play right here. So when it comes to looking at your portfolios now, the design of them are actually going back to pre-financial crisis, pre-2008, finally, okay? Mm. Mm. So it's been that long since we've been in sort of a different type of uh, uh, portfolio design environment where now we can actually obtain, capture some yield, some interest, dividends, whatever you want to call that, in your portfolio, taking a look at it, taking a look at also a reasonable type of a, a, an income-producing portfolio, 4 7 8% yields and things of that nature built into portfolios. So the design of it has changed or can change if you take advantage of it, if you know what you're doing with all of this. So, so Tina, she's out, and Tara is back when it comes down to it all, right, which is kind of an interesting thing. TNT. <laughs> yeah, TNT. There you go. There you, Exactly. So very, very interesting, especially when you're, when you're, you know, if you stop and you think, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people that are close to or already retired need to learn how to turn that growth portfolio into growth and income production, okay? And now's a great time as a result of the Fed raising interest rates 500 basis points in the last 14 months, and it looks like they still may do another little bit of a raise. So, so it has moved back to more of a normalcy type of an environment that we've been in for decades and decades and decades and decades. Uh, but we'll we'll wait and we'll see. There's still the, the 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 verdict is out as to will the Fed have to start to lower again uh, later this year, next year, at some point. Guess what? They will. They will continue to raise and lower in perpetuity as long as you know we're we're still functioning, right? So that will always take place going forward. But understand how to take advantage of these of these types of opportunities as far as all that goes. Hey, let's bring Mike on from Maryland. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Good morning. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How can I help you? I have a question because um, I'm not young. I'm 67. I just turned 67. I'm a Fed employee. I have a TSP account of... About 1.2 million. Uh, my wife, uh, she doesn't work. Uh, she's 62 and has about 1.2 million in a Vanguard account, and it, we're heavily loaded in stocks. And I think at my age, that's very high risk, given that the I, I, I suspect the T bills or T notes are are providing pretty good interest rates um, and that I'm really in a risk position, what would you say? So I would I would tend to agree, Mike, based off of what you just said. I don't know the makeup of what's inside your, your wife's uh, IRA account. I do know in the, in the TSP you've got the CGFS and I funds. Um, mm -hmm. and, and being oh, – even though you're working, even the uh, – since you're over 59 and a half, you're eligible for what's called an in-service rollover, which means you can still be employed there, but you can move that money into your own IRA and then invest in a lot of different things. Now, an equivalent inside the uh, – or not an equivalent, but something close, if you would, inside the TSP would be the G or the F fund. 
But when you take a look at that compared to the T-bills, the T-bills are yielding higher and they're a little bit more guaranteed than the F fund. Mm -hmm. So so a diversification conversation would really have to take place. Um, we need to yeah. take a look at, at the, the, you know, I don't know if you're in the S fund or the I or the C fund, whatever you're in there. But um, that's really the, the, the question is we need to take a look at the holdings your wife has, the holdings you have, and then take a look at and, and give you a sort of a risk question conversation. How much risk do you want? Mm -hmm. Let me break down and explain risk to you and show you the risk of each individual position compared to alternatives. And a lot of times you want to try and design the risk of a portfolio of you know maybe 20 25 percent less risky than the market and still get close to market returns those are the types of portfolios that you need to look at and then ask the question well when you do retire are you going to need to harvest any income from these accounts right um, or do you need to take mm -hmm. income out now because you want to take a look at at in today's world today's market pulling money out of dividends and interest and not selling off shares necessarily okay uh, unless you have a, a a larger growth growth need in your portfolio, so if you like Mike, I'll be happy to uh, put you on hold, and Bob can can get some basic contact information from you, and then we can have uh, mm -hmm. you know I can speak with you next week, or one of our advisors can give you a call next week and sort of break all this down for you. Would that be okay? That's great. All right, well, let me place you on hold. I appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. We're talking about TSP accounts. We're talking about structured notes. Anything on your mind today, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. So, Chris, we've got a uh, quiz for us here. All right. That we want to go over a little bit. You okay. know, we're we're uh, uh, considering all kinds of numbers and things out there. And this is sort of a numbers show. You're kind of a numbers guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you're you're really a jokester today, aren't you? Yeah, really? there we go, there we go. So, so I've got the number here, eighty four to one hundred and twenty. Okay. With eighty four being the low and one hundred and twenty being the high. So, my question to you is: Does that does it have any type of of does that ring a bell to you? It sounds like blood pressure. You know. Well, that could be. <laughs> And depending on which baseball team you're rooting for, it could very well be, right? True. But the question becomes this. How many baseballs are used in an average Major League Baseball game? Uh, is it one of those numbers? Well, on a low side, it's 84. And uh, on the high yeah. side, it's 120 different baseballs are used in a Major League Baseball Obviously, game. it's not an exact number, but yeah. No, it's not exact. And it's a widespread when you look at the average. I'm trying to go, well, what's the average? And that's what they keep coming up with. So I guess the average is right in the middle of those two, right? Mm -hmm. Footballs. How many footballs do you think are used in an NFL game? 80 to 120? I don't know. No, 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 no. Less. <laughs> Obviously two or three, right? 30 to 54, depending what? on if it's an indoor game or an outdoor game. That's a lot more than I would have said. I would have yeah. really only said about four or five, but yeah. Yeah, I would think just a few, right? Yeah. But it depends on if it's an indoor or outdoor game. How is that? Because it's just the weather, getting slippery ball? or what? I guess, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. You know? Next is basketballs. How many basketball games do you think are used in an NBA basketball game? Basketballs. Um, uh, ten? Six. Oh. Three from each team. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the average right there. And then here's one that I found very interesting. Okay. Hockey pucks. How many <laughs> hockey pucks do you think are used in an NHL game? Depends on how angry one team or the other is, right? <laughs> how many times they throw the puck against the wall or up in the um, I don't know, ten? Forty to fifty. Wow, that's a lot. I know. I didn't think that many of them went into the stands, but I guess they replace them too. But now here's the big question. Okay. What do you think the average daily volume is in the S&P 500 shares trading hands? I know it's a lot. It's huge. Uh, but I don't know what that number is. It's probably in the millions, right? In the millions? Think a little taller than that. In the billions. 4.2 billion shares per day I know it was a lot. is traded hands, wow. right? Wow, wow. Think about that on, on a concept of how many baseballs are used in a baseball game, <laughs> right, versus the number of shares that are exchanging hands all over the, the, the stock market in the S&P 500. I'm guessing you should tell – you'll probably tell us next that it, uh, you as a person or we as people should not uh, trade near as many as we do. <laughs> no, you shouldn't really. <laughs> That's for sure. But anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting, you know. Uh, looking up some numbers yesterday, playing around, with it, and I thought, you know what, I'll come in here and see if Chris knows any of these numbers. <laughs> so stay tuned. I'll, I'll bring you up on another quiz maybe a little later, all right? <laughs> so, hey, we do have one update that uh, I just learned about uh, yesterday. You know, there's so much information that comes out all the time. I just learned about this yesterday. It used to be that, that uh, well, let's not worry about what used to be. What it is now is if you're a, a – a, uh, uh, non-custodial parent, okay, mm -hmm. like a grandparent, you can open up a 529 plan and fund money into it for your grandchildren, and it will not count now going forward against their FAFSA uh, register, uh, 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 student loan application or financial aid, the FAFSA form, nice. which is great news, okay, uh, fantastic news. So, so lots of changes there in college funding capabilities, especially since now you can gift up to $17,000 per person per year. And on the 529 plans, you can move that up even higher by, by pulling forward five years worth of gifts into the plan to fund college. Isn't this one of those blind spots that a lot of people don't really plan for and they're extremely expensive and you can put a student basically in debt for almost life? If they're not careful with their with their schooling and their funding for school, you can you can you know I mean there's 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 all kinds of open ended questions on this, Chris. You know, you you take somebody who goes to college and they come out with a tremendous amount of debt, and they're in a profession that is high income earning, versus you 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 have another student that goes to college who's in who's in just about probably the same amount of debt, who 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 takes a a. Uh, uh, and, and income or, or a job, excuse me, that traditionally does not pay a lot of money, okay? How, how is that, you know, what is the story there? Is that fair? Well, I guess it is because everybody signed up knowing what they were getting into. But on the other hand, is there a way that that can be rethought? Or offset somehow, yeah. Or offset somehow. Yeah. There's a lot of different conversations with this. You know, I was watching uh, uh, Mike Rowe on television the other day talking about trades. Trade guy. jobs, you know, and He's where awesome. he, in his foundation he was uh, a, a young lady wanted to go to school to become a lawyer, and she was looking at all the debt, and she ended up uh, being a welder. She likes it, and she's making uh, very nice money into mm -hmm. the six figures uh, being a welder, and she doesn't have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. 
starting out either. Now, you know, it, it just depends on what you want to do, right? Uh, but trades and different things. And I, I think that going forward, colleges, you know, they're able to deliver this information electronically and, and a whole lot more, you know, uh, even even for students on campus now. And, and so there's just a whole big conversation here as to uh, what's best for individual people. I've seen different people do all different types of college funding, uh, you know, from, from, from taking a look at, at uh, you know, getting a loan and then so that loan payment's deferred. Even if they have money, they would take a loan, that loan payment's deferred, and then when the child graduates, then they have to start making these payments on the loan, mm -hmm. and then they start pulling the money out of home equity each month to make these loan payments. Meanwhile, keeping all of their money growing at compound interest, and then as real estate values go up, one day when they sell their house off, basically done. You know, so so I've I've seen all kinds of fancy things yeah. happen. Uh, now, timing issues on that have to be done, too. But college is a big, big issue, big expense, that's for sure. We all want our kids to go to college. You know, most people do. And, you know, so. so. But anyway, new rules on that. And remember, in addition to that, if you overfund your 529 plan now, as long as that plan's been open for 15 years, you can take up to $35,000 and roll that over roll it over, not pull it out and then put it in, but roll it over tax-free to a Roth IRA for the child if there's excess dollars in there and the plan's been open for 15 years. So so that's a very good marriage between 529 plans and Roth IRAs instead of being forced to pull the money out, pay a 10% tax plus income taxes on it. Now you can just flip it over into a Roth and help the student start start a good savings program toward retirement years, which is a great thing. A absolutely, absolutely. So it's the bottom of the hour. I know we got to take a quick break here. Give us a ring this morning with any of your financial planning or investment questions. What's going on in the markets, the economy, 529 plans, anything that's in your portfolio or your mind at all. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. seen and heard them on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. 
Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. And we're back with the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. Grab that phone right now and talk to Larry about those burning financial questions that I'm sure you've got. So it's 855-767-3123, Larry. Sir, Ecclesiastes, Chris, says in 510, says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless, mm-hmm. right? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Mark talks about this. Six. You know, again, we talk a lot about money and how to grow wealth, protect wealth, distribute wealth, and things like that. But, again, whose is it? What's our role as stewardship with it all? Speaking of stewardship, speaking of stewardship, we're starting to see in the financial press a very hot topic starting to ignite a little bit, starting to see more articles on this. I'm getting emails from clients on this. Uh, I'm getting more and more questions about this, and that is Social Security. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay, Social Security. It is getting hotter. Mm. It is getting hotter. You know, 2033, we talked a little bit about this last week. I want to bring it up again this week, okay? Mm -hmm. Everybody calm down. It's going to be there. The form may be a little different. The funding may be a little different. There are several mechanisms, age, uh, Social Security wage base, FICA tax, the employee, the employer, discounts, age discounts for starting earlier, extensions, waiting longer. There are, a, and, and on top of that, there's another four or five different levers that we can pull as mm. a country to fund once we get up to 2033. Now, if they decide to take a little to move each one of the little levers just tiny, it's not going to – people aren't going to have the pain of it, okay? Yeah. But if they – it's all going to be based off of votes. Where is the most popular voting going to take place on this? So they are starting th- – articles are starting to come out all the time on this. Uh, so what do we do? How do we attack this? How do we look at a financial plan – for somebody who's 63 years old now today, let's say, and they're going to retire in two years maybe, how do we project forward to 2033 what Social Security is going to look like for him or her and into the, you know, the, the, the next 15, 20, 30 years of their life? How do we do that? How do you go about guessing what a sitting Congress is going to do 10 years from now, right? How do you do that? So you put in today's Social Security information as the baseline. The first thing that you want to do is you want to make sure that when you are creating the inflation pressures in a financial plan, that the inflation you put in is double what Social Security estimate for raises are. That way, your Social Security check, when it gets its inflation adjustments, it's always 50% lower than what actual purchasing power is. So you're stressing out the future growth of your Social Security check which is a very wise thing to do inside the financial plan. And then another thing to do is run an alternative and say, how does my plan look if I get 25% less on my Social Security? Then the other way to do it is 
how does it look if I get my regular Social Security that's designed today and I create a fictitious expense inside my financial plan that's equal to about a third of my Social Security check? Because you don't know if you're going to get hit with more taxes or if it's going to be the younger generation, right? So these are three ways that you can model how your Social Security plan is actually going to be affected inside your, social, inside your financial plan. That's what you have to do because people are sitting down and they're starting to have these long conversations. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if? That's exactly right. We don't know what if is going to be, okay? We, can, we could talk to a blue in the face about this all day long, but I'm telling you, this is how you have to go about attacking this question. You have to model this. In other words, we're taking information today in 2023, and we're projecting it forward to 2033-ish, and 2043 and 2053 and 63 and 73, right? We have to be able to, to model this type of a scenario inside your financial plan. And these are the things you need to start looking at doing with your advisors, okay? Please take a good look at this. I do personally believe that Social Security will not go away. It will be here. But it just may be in a little different form. They could actually just do a firewall. They could say people that were born on this date and earlier, no changes. People that were born on this date and later, here's the new deal, right? Okay. Well, I guess it was originally called the new deal. Anyway. <laughs> it was, actually. <laughs> new deal 2.0, right? Okay. So, 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 but that's, that's the way that you solve this. That's the way that you solve this. You run, the, you run the three models inside the financial plan, and you make sure that any COLA, any cost of living adjustment that you apply to your Social Security benefit of your financial plan is half of the pressure you're putting on inflation inside the financial plan. That's the way you do it. We've been doing this for a long time, do, doing it like that with the inflation and stuff. That's the way you go about really attacking this, okay, from, from the standpoint of, you know, how do we model this out? We don't want to get caught uh, in, in, in a bad way with overstating what our Social Security benefit may be at some point down the road. Or how to supplement it in the correct amounts and things of that nature. Correct. You know, if you want information on Social Security, how best to, 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 uh, uh, how best to include it in your financial plan, the best time to claim it for you or you and your spouse. You know, I've got a whole packet on, on, on all of that. If you want some of it, then uh, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot us off an email. I'll be happy to send it out to you. Uh, while you're there, uh, follow us on, on Facebook and check us out on YouTube, LarryRosenthal.tv. Hit the subscribe button and follow us there and the little bell. Ting. Ting. There you go. And you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. We send out a weekly market commentary every Monday morning on the markets, the the, the following week so and there's no charge for that as well so hey so what's important to you about money what's important about money you can call this you know basically from the observation deck <laughs> from the observation deck you know you can watch planes fly off, fly off chris and all kinds of things well from the observation deck let's talk a little bit about estate planning what's important to you about estate planning some people say you know what? Whatever's left over is left over. Other people say, wait a minute here. I want to try and leave things left over for others. And other people say, I want to try and leave things left over for others and some of my charities that I like. Mm. What's important to you about estate planning? Leave the world a little better place if you can, right? Yeah. Does it matter to you about tax efficiency? 
when you pass assets on to your heirs? Does it matter to you about bloodline protection? In other words, you pass assets down to your kids. God forbid something happens to one of them. There's a new marriage, and the grandkids accidentally get disinherited somehow. Is bloodline protection important to you? Is it important to you to make sure that the assets you've worked all your life for don't get squandered on, you know, something you wouldn't want them to get squandered on? Do you want to have some control? Lottery tickets. Yeah. Do you want to have some control? These are questions. And, and, and what about estate equalization? You know, well, mom and dad gave this and this for you, and now it should be paid back in the inheritance. Whoa, 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 wait a second here. What about estate equalization? What's important to you about that piece of the conversation? Because if you really stop and think about it, for most people, you're not going to spend your money down to zero. Most people. You're going to leave your assets. Somebody else is going to spend your life's work down. Right, Chris? Well, is okay. this a fairness? Are you talking about a fairness doctrine of sorts where it's fair between siblings? Or what, is, what do you mean when you say it's fair? Is, that, that's, that's exactly the question. Fair is not always equal. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Fair is not always equal. But yet, maybe it should be. And that, there is no right or wrong answer to. It's what you want to do for you and your family. Mm. There's no right or wrong answer. But this is a stumbling block question that I see all the time. You know, I've got a whole list of them here in front of me from the observation deck. Think about this for a second. You know, those of you that are driving in your car, think about this. What's important to you about the single subject of estate planning? What do you want to have happen while you're alive and you can't? you know, make decisions anymore, or when you're in heaven, what do you want to have happen with your assets, with your home, with your IRAs? Do you understand how to navigate the tax distribution rules of all of this? Have you looked at it? You know, with the stroke of a pen, you can save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in a lot of cases. But again, calling it from the observation deck, these are just open-ended questions that I want people to think about. Think about this. You've worked long and hard your entire life, and somebody else is going to spend that money, <laughs> okay, when you're in heaven and you don't need it anymore. As long as it's not Uncle Sam, right? I mean, you want That's, to... Well, some people actually say it doesn't matter. Yeah, wow. Okay? And other people say, no, I want to do it as efficient and uh, as I possibly can. There's no right or wrong. It's your money. It's your decision. It's your choice. But these are questions that aren't probed a lot. A lot of times clients will, you know, people will call. They'll interview us. We'll ask them some of these questions. And they'll say, you know, we've never before. Nobody's brought these things up to before. Well, you know, the beneficiary table is the end of the game, right? Halftime, the score doesn't matter. It's the end of the game is what the score matters, right? When the clock ticks to zero, when there's the 27th out in the baseball game. That's what matters when the game is over because that's where the beneficiaries are sitting down. And that's when you're going to be going, well, you know what? I wish I would have done this, that, or the other, right? That's the issue there. So from the observation deck, 
think about these questions. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. Write these things down. I've got a whole kit on estate planning basics that covers a lot of this stuff. We can have a whole lot of open-ended questions, make things work for you. You'd be surprised how easy it is to uncomplicate this complicated, what people think is a very complicated matter, which is the distribution of your life savings. And it's really not that complicated, but people just don't know what they don't know. Let's bring Scott on from Florida. Good morning, Scott. How are you today? Good. Good. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Um, I got a question. Well, my question is, uh, about 10 years ago, I inherited a piece of property, and everybody thought I'd sell it and get the money because it was free and clear. I made it a rental, and I've had success with that. Um, I keep getting offers for about 300000 just random people looking to buy. And my question was, I'm getting about $1,500 a month rent out of the house. I should be getting a little more, but I got a real good renter. So uh, if I sold it, what would capital gains do to me? And what would I invest in that would du- you know, kind of duplicate what the rental was doing? So on eighteen thousand a year, because you've got fifteen hundred a month, right? That's eighteen thousand a year, and you divide that into three hundred grand. That is about a six percent dividend rate. You're getting about a six percent yield on that money. So in other words, Scott, okay. if you had three hundred thousand dollars sitting aside, what rate of return do you have to get to match that eighteen thousand dollars of income? And it's six percent. Right. So you can get an income portfolio doing that. That's not a problem, okay? But the bigger question that you go is what's going to happen with capital gains tax? So here's here's what's going to happen is when you inherited the property, that's your new cost basis, okay? So let's suppose you – what was the value of the property when you inherited it? Oh, uh, I want to say two. Okay, so – your co- your cost basis is two hundred. If you sold it today at three hundred, you've got to pay capital gains on the growth between one hundred and three hundred. All right. Okay. Now, yep. over the years, have you depreciated the property at all? No. So if you haven't depreciated the property, then you don't have any uh, depreciation recapture that that'll come back and bite you. So basically, it looks to be a pretty clean scenario that you would pay capital gains on $100,000. Yeah. That's the deal right there. Okay? Okay. Um, yeah, because property, property in Florida is going through the roof. I know it is. Yep. Very people, good. People the other, the other question is, pardon me? People are, people just, the other people qu- are just buying stuff at any price. <laughs> yep. The other question is, you know, here's, here's some other math, too. Let's dig, dig down into the root a little bit further. This 18000 that you're getting each year, that's taxable to you as income. But what are the expenses? What is the cost for you to get that income? You've got insurance on the property, right? Taxes, yeah. Okay. You've got taxes on the property, and you've got maintenance on the property. So you're right. probably not netting 18000 a year. You're probably netting something less. I don't know. Let's Correct. just take five grand off. You know, just to do math easy, yeah. so you might be netting thirteen thousand a year, which takes your ultimate yield down. Okay, 
So yeah. the big question becomes this, do you want to, you know, you want to sell the property and and get the game, pay the tax and move on? Another thing you could do is roll it over to a uh, 1035 uh, 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 t- excuse me, a 1031 Starker exchange where you can roll, you can sell this property and move it into a light kind and pay no capital gains and have another rental property. But you have to ask the answer the question, do you want to continue to be a landlord and and do the rental thing? You know, yeah. if that's the okay. case, what would what would be your motivation to sell the property to begin with? Oh, I don't really have a motivation. I just I, I, I'm getting a lot of information from different sources, and I'm just wanting to see if any of it made sense or if it's. I don't have a problem being yeah. a landlord. Um, I got okay. two other properties. All I got two other properties also. I don't really have a good retirement, so I was kind of going to go the the landlord route and have some properties for retirement. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, the best best rental properties in retirement are the ones that are paid for because you're getting as much free cash flow as possible. Right. Because right? the house I'm yeah. living in is getting ready to be paid off, and I was going to go buy another house and make my, make my residence that I have now a rental. Okay. Yeah. Try, trying, to, trying to acquire some properties. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all, okay? Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Just, just don't get over leveraged. Really... Correct. Just, just, yeah, just don't get over leveraged and understand the real estate cycle that we're in right now. Rentals are, are doing very well because we don't have as much inventory, but that inventory is going to catch up one day. Okay. True. And then re- rents, rent income may drop just based off of supply and demand at some point down the road. So be aware of that. So the real issue is do you want to sell the property, pay the tax, and then turn around and invest it to get the same income? Yes, you can do that, but now you're dealing with two different types of investments, stock market and bond market investments versus real estate investment. That's yeah. the deal right there. You know, um, But I would also ask – go go ahead. I got some advice of a gentleman that was – and he said you know, the rental property was a good way to go. He said, never have more than one mortgage and live in the house with a mortgage and pay it off as fast as you can. And, and that's how I'm trying to acquire it and, instead of people that go out and buy five houses at one time and then get in trouble and lose it all at once. <laughs> I, I like that advice you received. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. You know, another another thing, too, is do you have these properties in your name or are they in the name of a trust or an LLC? And what's no, it's the, me, and my, me and my wife. Yeah, so you might want to consider putting them into individual LLCs because if something goes wrong with one of those properties and you end up getting sued, you can get sued on the whole on all of your wealth versus if they're in different LLCs, you might be able to put some firewalls up like that, okay? So speak to an attorney about that, okay? Yeah. Uh, And then also you want to make sure that if something happens to you and your wife, that that property can pass to your heirs or to a charity. So put that inside the document as well, what exactly you want to have happen. That way it will avoid probate issues, extra costs, taxes, delays, fees, and things like that. Okay? Um, Very good. Yep. So, Scott, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on hold here. We're going to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and then I can help step you down that road right there of of how to set up your estate uh, from that standpoint. Okay? I appreciate that. 
Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, back to that observation deck, Chris. That's exactly what we were just talking about here to Scott. Feeling like Star Trek here. You know, there you go. You know, what what do you want to have happen? Well, I don't really have a plan if something happens. We need to make sure we have a plan in place. Beneficiary forms, LLCs, trusts, the whole nine yards. Think about this, okay? We, we see this all the time in our industry, unfortunately, when things don't go quite the way a lot of people thought that they would go. So what's important to you about the money you've saved, about the assets you've created all, or, or, or acquired, I should say, all of your life? You know, let's be some, you know, uh, let, let's make some wise decisions on that. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, social capital, you know. We, we've got opportunities to pay taxes. We also have opportunities to give to charities. You know, it's either us or the government, right? It's either us or the government that are going to take care of others, right? So by us giving money to charities that you like that do the good work in your communities that you like, you know your money can go directly to where you want it to go versus through the taxation system. So stop and think about that as well in your estate plan. How do you want to utilize, you know, do you want to try and have control over what we would call some of your social capital? There's nothing wrong with paying taxes, right? And we have to pay taxes. Render unto Caesar what is to Caesar's, right? Render to the Lord's what is the Lord's, you know? But at the same time, we can also direct some of our social capital by making donations to charities in our communities that we want to help out directly on the front lines. So think about that. You know, these these are open-ended questions that we're talking about here today. Um, not really blind spots, but just more things of, you know, from the observation deck, what are you dealing with this? How are you you doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. Another another observation, too, that, and, and, and I don't have time to really get into this. Maybe we could build a whole show around this. But, you know, the MIT Math Lab uh, uh, years ago came out with a study on, on – um, you know, what to do with your time after you retire, mm. <laughs> right? You know, where am I going to have lunch? Where do I get an ice cream cone? Okay. And who's going to change my light bulb? Those are the big three scenarios talking about it. <laughs> what about the maintenance in my life? Okay. My house, my lawn, my cars, the other house that you may have acquired or something like that. Who's going to take care of all the maintenance items in your life as you're aging? Mm-hmm. What about your social activity? Okay, a lot of people have their social life wrapped up in their work. Do you have activities outside of your job? Outside of your job, do you have activities, hobbies, things of that nature? Um, and then where are you going to have lunch, right? <laughs> okay, because when, when you're at work, you have lunch. Sometimes you have lunch with your friends. Sometimes you're by yourself, you know, but where are you going to go to have lunch? What are you going to do, right? I have a friend of mine who who retired uh, a couple years ago, and uh, he is so busy, it's ridiculous. I call him. He's like, hey, I can't talk right now. I'm doing this. Hey, I, I can't talk, you know. Anyway, so stop and think about some of these things, again, from the observation deck of your personal financial plan as far as all that goes. So, hey, we've got just a few moments left in the show here this morning. Appreciate everybody listening. You can catch us next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Until then, 
Go check out our website at RosenthalWealthManagement.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on Facebook. And subscribe to our show on LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. And if you want some information on some of the estate planning subjects that we talked about today, fire us off an email. We'd be happy to send you out our basics in estate planning kit. Very, very easy to follow along. We want to uncomplicate some of these complicated issues for you. Until then, have a great week. God bless. We'll be back next Saturday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.